Hello, everybody. Welcome to Stable and Able Podcast. And I am one of your hosts, Karen Wickiam. I'm another one of your hosts, Brenda Nickel. And we're coming to you from beautiful North Bolton. <laughs> <laughs> you got it before I did. You should have seen her face. You were so, I, just, I stole your thunder. You did. She had the, you know, when you, the N, you know, when you're about to say N, it's like, uh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna be like racing to see who can Say get it, it in first. next time yeah exactly i liked your answer last time though why is it important you're like no what's the deal with the north and your uh bolton you said well it matters if you live here yeah it <laughs> didn't does. really answer the question but it is truthful yes indeed so how are you doing i'm doing amazing yeah we're, it's, it's check-in time yeah check-in time um, no, I'm doing very, very well. I leave in less than three weeks for a two-week vacation in beautiful Punta Cana, Dominican Republic. You've been counting that down since summer. <laughs> I know, I know. In less than six months. Yeah. <laughs> 129 <laughs> days, you know. It's 800 degrees out here, but in less than six months. <laughs> I even check check the temperature in Punta Cana to see what it's like. I've done that when I've gone away somewhere just to get an idea, but then it's kind of torturing, right? Because yeah. you're like, oh no, it's a week of hell, but yeah, no. But I'm good. good. Aside from that, obviously, how can you be good if you've got something so wonderful to look forward to? And otherwise, health-wise, great. Um, you're yeah. looking great. Thank you. It's all good in the hood. And what about you, Kays? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Uh, just finally, I think, getting over all the the flu bullshit though brenda gave me strep throat yesterday <laughs> i did not <laughs> she's like i don't it's a good thing you weren't around because strep th- we were near strep throat and i'm like you just gave it to me yeah it's a yeah, joke just because, by saying it was over the phone yeah it was because <laughs> <laughs> they've gotten everything else yeah exactly so i'm just like oh if i get it I'm, i said i'm gonna go to her place and lick every cop and <laughs> <laughs> You'll, if I did that, you'd have pustules all over your face. Oh, my God. That's disgusting. That's disgusting. Oh, man. You so, are doing well. Yeah. When I can say things like that. No, I'm doing pretty good. You know, yeah. post, uh, post-Christmas post um, was a crazy Christmas this year. But still, you know what? At the end of the day, got to spend some wonderful time with family. And we're we're back. We're, yeah. um, we're ready. With a to, vengeance. Ready to give her. Yeah. Oh, boy. Your brother. Yes. He'd say, give her. Like yeah. he was pulling um uh, a train horn, <laughs> or um he'd say a Mack truck, or he'd say pitter patter skid at her. Yeah, that that one's for you, Bruce. I, I still say that stuff because I, I think of him every time. But anyway, yeah, it sounds like we're we're both doing good here, um, and we're back to discuss uh, the next part of our eating disorder uh, series. No, it's not. Is it a trilogy? It's a four G or five G. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you're right. I don't know what you call it. A quadigy. A quad. Oh, a man. A quintigy. Yes, and we're educated. <laughs> Edumacated. Um, so after those two last episodes, uh, uh, talking with Anne-Marie Coolen, she was incredible. Uh, we've gushed enough about her. Um, Very t- generous lady. Yeah. Very generous. And, you know, it's good because I can still touch base with her about uh, the other subjects that we're going to be talking about. And uh, so it's great. It's not only did we have her insight, um, she's able to, like, on the show, but she's still able, she's willing and happy to give, you know, information in the background to help sort out some things. Because 
as as much as this seems like an a subject that you can easily break down and say a b c this is what it is it's got a lot of nuance it's it's complicated in a sense that would happen so she's she's really great and she's on top of everything anything that you need to know about eating disorders she's well versed and is on top of all the the new new information out there well and she's so giving because her daughter has been well for quite some time and she's still willing and and very able to talk about it Mm -hmm. and and share her journey with her daughter and her husband so it's incredible yeah lovely person yeah and so after that we're now going to discuss bulimia and arfid so let's just get into it um bulimia I think a lot of people have heard about it, uh, seen as a, if I were to ask you what bulimia was, like, um, you know, I I think a lot of people would be, oh, it's, you know, you binge and purge, you overeat and throw it up. But Mm -hmm. there's more to it than that. It is a serious, potentially life-threatening eating disorder. People with bulimia may secretly binge eat large amounts of food with a loss of control over the eating and then purge, trying to get rid of the extra calories in an unhealthy way. Um, they may use different methods of doing that, forced vomiting, misuse of laxatives, weight loss sub- supplements, and diuretics or enemas. And when you're getting into that, you're really throwing um, the chemistry of your body off. Oh, gosh. So there's so yes. much damage being done, and that just compounds well, it. Well, physically and mentally, what it would do to you. Yeah, exactly. Now, the symptoms are that they are preoccupied with their body shape and they live in fear of gaining weight and they have repeated episodes of eating abnormally large amounts of food at once and then feeling a loss of control during binging and they either can't or don't want to stop and they can't control what they eat right we talked about the anorexic brain how they have this kind of superpower as Amory put it to not eat to have that power to withhold food to right. i don't know if i'm saying the right word whereas you know, you can have anorexia and bulimia together, but you're also just really hungry mm-hmm. because, you know, you you want to eat. You and can an only ana- restrict, restrict is the word restrict, I was Restrict, yeah. yeah. And the, an anorexic can restrict that feeling of hunger. And that's what it is. And they almost get a, what did Anne-Marie say, a um, euphoric. euphoric feeling from yeah. it. Whereas if you're restricting and don't have that superpower, so, so to speak, and this is just, I'm not saying this is how it is for everybody with it, but you still want to enjoy food. You still want to eat. So what way can you have the best of both worlds? And then because that compulsion is so strong, you do fall out of control and you binge and purge. I'm wondering, this just came to mind. Um, We have a lot to discuss, but do people with this disorder, do they, do they even enjoy food? Well, I can talk from my own experience. When I was younger, I, I, I think I could say that I was bulimic and I had lost a lot of weight through, I think, sort of healthy means. I was eating salads. I cut out junk food. Um, I was young. So, and I mean teens, mm-hmm. I, you know, always active exercising, that kind of stuff. But I loved food. We grow up loving food and our relationship with food is not healthy, but our love with food, I mean, it could have been healthy. Mm-hmm. I mean, we can cook. We love to, uh, you know, uh, host people the whole Experiment. bit. But I loved food, but I also loved being thin. And I was really important to me to, you know, fit that social, social standard of, of how you're supposed to look. So 
I could only restrict for so long. And, and I just wanted to eat, eat, eat because I was hungry because I wanted those foods. Mm-hmm. And my body needed those foods to a certain degree. Right. And so I would, I would do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did it for many years and then stopped because I'm like, okay, I'm, this is, I can't do it. I just couldn't do it any longer. Right. Because it is wear and tear. And, and you start, it starts to show. Mm-hmm. People notice things, right? And so, and I felt disgusting with myself because let's just face it, you're eating a huge amount of food and then you're making yourself sick. And the whole being sick process, you feel dirty, you feel gross, right? Like you, and you feel not just physically, but mentally. Mm -hmm. So that's just my experience. Right. But for me, yeah, I love food. I loved it to the degree that I restricted, but I couldn't restrict anymore. Yeah. You know, because that's just, I don't have that superpower. It was more of a control thing for me, I think. Okay. I wish I didn't love food so much as I no, do. I say that every day. So people are forcing themselves to vomit or exercise um, to keep from gaining too much weight. Using laxative diuretics or enemas after eating when they don't need to. Fasting and restricting. Sorry, what do you, you said when they don't need to. Well, when they, they don't, don't need to what? Because they're just eating, right? You don't need to use a laxative or a diuretic or an enema after eating. Right. But they eat and then they're like, okay, well, I'll take this, take this and this, and this will get rid of all of okay. it. Whereas it's, they're not just vomiting now. Right. They're, they, they're using these uh, means. Exactly. Okay. Um, and then they were fasting, restricting calories or avoiding um, certain foods between binges. So we were talking about that before where, you know, we restrict because we want to go to a wedding and look good. Right. And then we pig out and then we're like, well, we earn that mm-hmm. or, you know, we'll, we'll get right back on it afterwards. If mm-hmm. we could do with them, we can pig out. And then, you know, that's a terrible thing. To we say, talk about, out. we talk about, we, um, is this like anorexia, bulimia, and we'll get into ARFID. Is this typically a female? It is typically, yeah, I did some reading though that said that there's more, there's more men that, um, the stats say that it's, it's predominantly a female condition or or syndrome or what do you want to call Disorder. it? Disorder. Disorder, yeah. Um, now, the severity is based on how often a person binges and pur- purges. <laughs> I found this kind of funny. They said <laughs> that you are bulimic if you are, if you vomit, binge and purge once a week for three months. That's lowballing it a little bit. Mm. Once a week for three months. Right. I know I did it a hell of a lot more every day. Right. So their parameters are kind of. <laughs> yeah. But maybe they're just trying to, you know, catch people before, you know, it if, gets to be. Yeah. Three or four times, five or six times exactly. a day. And so I think it's probably, you know, now that I think about it, better to lowball it and, right. and to catch it early than, and then wait for it to be too serious. And there are serious health risks. Some of the other things that you'll notice in the behaviors is that the person will be constantly worrying or complaining about being fat. They have a distorted, excessively negative body image, and they're repeatedly eating large quantities of food in one sitting, especially foods that the person would normally avoid. So you might start seeing a friend or family member who just goes from, you know, maybe being health conscious to like exhibiting those behaviors what i dislike is um we're having a dinner party or we're at a dinner party and you see somebody thoroughly thoroughly enjoying their meal 
and you're happy you made that for them or whatever and they're like oh I ate too much and why can't you just enjoy it for what it is I, I totally the agree. sheer enjoyment of it yeah just all of it eating the food enjoying it enjoying that someone put the effort into making you such a delicious meal conversation all of it and then our family is terrible for saying that oh I ate like a pig yeah and I just said the word pig before yeah. and it's a terrible thing it's to dark. say about yourself it's dark yeah um so other things that you'll notice is that between they'll have strict dieting or fasting and then binging back and forth so that's you know the binging and purging thing Mm -hmm. they are not wanting to eat in public or in front of others now that's something that i can speak to because it's hard to pig out at a restaurant go do what you need to do and come back without it being noticed right for lack of better words you become very adept at being sneaky or at least you think so you can get away with it for a little while but people notice it's like anything drinking you think you're hiding it you're not freaking hiding it people know after a while they can sense it they can see it there's a change in your behavior so i'm you know i'm I'm not saying they're the same but it's the behaviors that are behind them that tend to they think they're being deceptive but they're not yeah um again exercising too much and then this is a big one having sores scars calluses on the knuckles or hands yeah and that's you know sticking your fingers down your throat right um and having damage to your teeth and gums uh changing weight so you go up you go down you go up you go down swelling in the hands and feet in facial and cheek swelling due to swollen glands think about how violent throwing up is mm-hmm. and what it does to you and then think about that day in day out how many ever times for years it exhausts me just even thinking about it yeah um also a thing that we've brought up before talk about is that there's people that are like say normal for lack of better words and or overweight are considered overweight that have eating disorders as well mm-hmm. so you don't have to look like you're emaciated or super malnourished and stuff like that even though you could be very malnourished even though you are at weight or above weight mm-hmm. um people just go right to the the thinness and don't think about the people that and they're falling between the cracks as well mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. um so the causes the exact cause is unknown but there are many factors like genetics biology emotional health and social expectations and family um like we said girls and women tend to be uh the highest risk and it begins in late teens and early adulthood and is um perfectionism one of the traits of somebody with bulimia i yeah um i think so i think with many eating disorders it's control right like Mm -hmm. you want to control what's going in you you want to control how you look right but you can't how do you control that healthy Mm -hmm. (laughs) you can't Mm -hmm. you know um but that's just my opinion Mm -hmm. um now the risk factors a biology so first degree relatives with an eating disorder um you're more likely to develop an eating disorder if someone in your family has it. Okay. Mother, um, sister, sister, aunt, grandmother, yeah, or the males as well. So it could be uh, either either or. Uh, being overweight as a child or teen, and possibly a genetic link over and above that. And if you're that teen or that young child, 
and you display um, these types of behaviors, that could be from school. You're being bullied yeah. because you're mm-hmm. overweight and you don't look like everybody else. And It's true because there was a point where I was a, an overweight um, younger person and then I went through a growing spurt growth spurt i didn't like the way i looked but then i got all these compliments you look great and everything else and here you are 13 years old being told but they're not trying to make you feel shitty it's like wow you look great and you're like oh okay this is how it feels to fit in this is how yeah. it feels to look good it feels great right growth spurt i think you're yeah. still going through it you little five two thing <laughs> oh no i'm five two <laughs> the shock on my face you're you're having like a growth what do you call it? Vacuum. <laughs> You're getting shorter. I'm getting shorter. <laughs> oh, man. One day we just realized that I was actually a bit taller when I was like called the little little punk, little peanut for the longest time. And That's it's like right. psychological uh, risk factors. Depression, anxiety disorders, or substance abuse are closely linked with eating disorders. Because I can see the substance abuse. You're trying to not feel things you're trying to control things and drinking if it's drinking it lowers your appetite because you're full right and then you don't feel the pain psychologically you don't feel the pain or discomfort um physically okay um trauma and environmental stress another risk factor is dieting people now i don't mean healthy eating dieting restrictive dieting so people who diet are at higher risk they severely restrict calories and they binge in between the episodes because they're hungry. Yes. And um, it triggers an urge to binge and purge again. And because the trick more right. than likely, sorry, Case, yeah. more than likely when you're binging and purging because you're hungry, yeah. you're eating crap. Yeah, that's it too. You're not going, I'm really hungry. I'm going to jump on a salad. No, <laughs> no it's true. And the, and the thing is, is that you're eating all the things that you're restricting yourself from. Right. So that should be like, wow, I'm, I'm binging on foods that I'm restricting myself from. So that's the sign right there that you are struggling because you've taken away to such a degree that it's too much. Mm -hmm. And of course eating, you know, there's comfort eating. And that's one of the things that I've been uh, guilty of. Oh yeah. Sit in front of a TV, bowl of popcorn, whatever. I'm not even really hungry yet. I, just feel like doing it right or i'm having a bad day let's go grab this yeah um so triggers uh stress poor body image and food itself Mm -hmm. you may not be thinking of it and one of the things i hated was going to to buffets if whether it was like at work or someone had you know someone's house and they've got food all out because i'd be like there's too much and i want it all eye candy do you know what I'm saying? Oh, so yeah. I would avoid those things because I knew that the, the chances of me being able to control that were, but then I would panic because I didn't have a way out. Right. Because after you eat all that, your your stomach's already messed up. Right. Right. And then it's like, okay, where's my out? Where can I do this? And it's just this, it takes over your brain. Um, now the complications are serious and even life-threatening. And um, so you have negative self-esteem and problems with relationships and social functioning. That might not seem life-threatening but it can be serious because you um isolate yourself right alienate yourself dehydration it's a major problem because if you think about it you're throwing everything up right okay yeah um and that can lead to heart conditions and kidney disease severe tooth decay 
and gum disease. Right. Absent or irregular periods. Digestive problems, constipation or diarrhea, hernia, esophageal ulcers, rupture of the abdomen or the esophagus, mm-hmm. swelling, choking. Um, yeah. Mental health, anxiety, depression, personality disorders, bipolar. Well, aren't you suffering from a mental disorder if you have bulimia? I think because you're... That this is how what you're doing to help you cope, right? You already like need control. Mm-hmm. You're already punishing yourself, so to speak, mm-hmm. by restricting and then overeating. And like w- w- we've listed off here, anxiety, depression. Right. You're already having those things. Yeah. So this this is a terrible coping mechanism. No, it is. But I I understand. No, it's it because, a good point. No, but I understand it because um, if you guys remember. Um, I had mentioned a couple of weeks ago or a couple of episodes ago, rather, that um, I was having a bipolar disorder moment, if you will. And I remember when I was kind of down in it, the first thing I did is I went to McDonald's. Yep. And I got me a Big Mac. Yep. And a diet coke <laughs> <laughs> we were talking about diet coke yeah, yeah. after came yesterday yeah and um i had some french fries i didn't eat a lot of them but that's what i did that was my comfort it, exactly. it could have been mcdonald's it could have been whatever you went out and grabbed something that wasn't healthy for you right as a yeah to use as like a comfort thing it right? was okay. it was totally and there i was in the restaurant sitting there by myself at a booth mm-hmm. eating this sad big mac <laughs> You know, and feeling it. Yeah. So, like, you did you, you felt like d- on yourself? Yeah. And the, like, again, the, the alienation of your or isolation of yourself by, you know, actively going out and doing it and then sitting there alone. Yeah. Yeah. It, w- it was, it was lonely. Yeah. It was lonely. This is the first time I've, I've even admitted this. And that's just not who you are as a person. You're very social. You're, you're, you have people over all the time. You're always visiting with people. So you must have been feeling pretty rotten yeah. to, to, to go do that. Yeah. Um, the Did other... I enjoy it? No. <laughs> no. No, that's the I thing didn't. too. Yeah. So that's why I asked the question earlier. Do people that suffer, uh, are they really enjoying that food, even though they know they're going to purge it? Yeah, from you know, that like, perspective, I think... I'd just be curious. I think they're caught... Well, I, again, I can only speak from my perspective, but you're caught between loving food and hating it at the same time. I think that might be oh, that's a, a more good, accurate. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, yeah, I think that might be a little bit more accurate, at least in my situation. Um, other complications are alcohol and drug abuse. Like I said before, it, it numbs you mm-hmm. to all feelings. And self-injury and suicidal thoughts. Because like you just said, um, you know, you didn't say that you were suicidal or anything like that, but you no. were struggling. Yes. And it made you feel worse. I don't want to forget about this. And um, I may be getting ahead of our notes, but I definitely want to talk about what family members can see or recognize um, when people are suffering from bulimia. What, what am I looking for? 
what if you were to look if you would wondering yeah like if you're curious about a family member or a friend a really good friend who you socialize with yeah. and you eat with and you break bread well i think that we we covered a few of those things like uh th- throughout that last bit so i think it's things like getting up frequently to go um after they eat mm-hmm. and then they go immediately to the bathroom and come back mm-hmm. uh the scars and stuff on their hands their teeth looking what bad. about clothing oh did some... you like when you were in the crux of it yeah i, w- I always wore baggy stuff because yeah. i felt more more most comfortable with it mm-hmm. um but I never, ever felt comfortable, no matter right. what I did. Okay. Um, but yeah, definitely those are the, the things that you can, can look for. Again, like talking about it all the time, being self, being uh, like, a um, not self-absorbed, being absorbed in it. Like right. that's all you can talk about. That's all you think about. Um, again, like someone who's like, oh, I never eat chips and blah, blah, blah. All of a sudden you're with them and they're not just eating a few chips. They're eating. Because you know there's some people that'll say, oh, I can have a couple. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm like, I wish I could. Yeah. <laughs> but you can't. You you have the whole friggin' bag. So if you see someone who's saying that and all of a sudden they're eating large amounts and then, and I think it's more just like if you're around them, the more often you start to notice these types okay. of things. If you don't see them as often, it's hard. Okay. Unless you see this extreme weight change and, and, and things like that. Okay, thanks. Um. So let's move into ARFID. Now, I got to tell you, this was a big eye-opener for me because I really didn't even know what ARFID was before we got into this. Avoidance Restrictive Food Intake Disorder. And it's also known as ARFID Selective Eating Disorder. Okay. Um, But now the actual, it's ARFID. The acronym is ARFID. Yeah. And, you know, I was... um, my partner, Mary, we were talking yesterday. She was asking, okay, what are you guys going to be talking about tomorrow? And I said, Arfid. And she's like, I've never heard of that before. No. And I think a lot of people haven't. Though when talking to Anne-Marie, she told me that um, out of the, the parents that come see her um, in, the, in the, the kids, young adults suffering from Arfid, it's the second most... Um, you mean talking to Anne-Marie? What did I say? You said Mary. No, I was talking to Mary about it yesterday. She didn't oh, know I'm what sorry. Ar- yeah. I misunderstood. Yeah, I don't know. And she um, she didn't know what it was. And then in talking to Anne-Marie, she's like, it's the second most, um, I don't want to say complaint, but things that people come for, for help or to discuss with her. So it's that prevalent. And it's becoming one of the higher reasons why um, children and young adults are being admitted into hospitals. Okay. And, it, you know, again, it's like, has it been around this whole time, but we didn't know what it was? We didn't put a name to it. Right. Um, was it called picky eating? Like, what what was it, right? Yes, because looking at our um, podcast notes and reading them, I was thinking, because this is how I was raised, the food's on your plate, you finish it. You don't leave the table until it's all done. Until it's done, yeah. And I'm reading the definition of our fit, Mm -hmm. and I'm thinking, and, and I mean no disrespect, but I'm thinking the way I was raised, that was uncalled for oh you taboo did you didn't do not that. you no. did not do that and i was thinking are these spoiled children yeah are they misbehaving and i don't want to eat that is it a control thing for them a behavioral thing for them i i was thinking the same thing and but this is so above and beyond that yeah so it's an eating disorder characterized by highly selective eating habits it often results in significant nutrition and energy deficiencies and um, for children 
it's a failure to gain weight and for um and like again i keep referencing emory they're, they're not on their growth chart they've fallen off the growth growth chart um so that's one of the things that 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 you can see happening and she raised that point that we shouldn't have for our children we only go up to say three or four years on the growth chart yeah we should be doing this right up until they're 18 until they're 18 i love that point yeah love it because they could be falling off the growth chart at 16 yeah um so what are the symptoms now adults can have arfid though it's very rare and usually tell me if i'm wrong but from what i understand is that the ones that have it in adulthood have had it since childhood Wow. And have wow. just not been able to get. It's a cycle. Yeah. So extreme pickiness in choosing food. This is one of the symptoms, but not picky eater. Extreme pickiness. Anxiety when presented with fear foods. Now, they have what's called neophobia, which is an extreme fear of new foods, scared of negative reactions related to unfamiliar foods like allergic reaction, vomiting, pain, choking. So they're terrified that that new food is going to cause that to happen to them. Wow. They have avoidance of particular foods based on texture, color, taste, smell, food groups. Um, They're frequently vomiting or gagging after an exposure to certain foods. They have difficulty chewing, bloating, trouble digesting specific types of foods, consumption of extremely small portions, Requiring food to be prepared in a very specific way. Feeling full before meals or no appetite at all. And it probably has to be presented in a certain way, too. Oh, there's there's a, a whole, I think, ritual around it. Um, they either have significant weight loss, as in adults or teens, or they're severely underweight. Mm-hmm. So a little bit versus extremely undernourished. We said falling off the growth chart abdominal pain and stomach cramps or upset stomach and they often have gi problems and it can be so bad that they're not getting anywhere near amount of food that they and nutrition that they need that they sometimes need to have a g-tube so a tube put into their nose into that goes into their stomach and they're fed with something like onsure or something like that something uh, a fortified drink to give them that uh, nutrition or something else called tpn in which you have a line, it's uh, usually like um, like through a, a pick line, like a large line, like a Hickman line, like a port that goes into the large vessels. Right. And they give you foods that are like high in like, well, it gives you everything you want. And they come in these big ass bags and they run it over so many hours and you're getting amino acids, you're getting proteins, you're getting all these things. And again, that's perfectly brought down to like molecules because you have too much or too little of that you can really cause damage but if you're getting into that the pick line and everything else are we really far gone now with the disorder i think yeah no you're i'm you're being hospitalized no no you oh no yeah you are in big trouble like that that child that adult that adolescent is in big trouble so you're kind of starting from scratch and hoping with the hospitalization you can work towards putting on healthy weight and getting the kind of um, um, help that you need to get there. And we'll get into more of that, but yeah, you know, you're you're in big trouble. Okay. Um, lethargy, fatigue and weakness, low blood pressure, dehydration, low blood sugar, fainting or dizziness. 
fine hair on the body. It's also called lanugo. I looked this yeah, up. Yeah, this is interesting. Yeah. Um, so sometimes you see like tiny little neonates that are born. They have like this little peach fuzz all over them. Well, people that are severely uh, malnourished will get this too. And it's like a lot of hair, but you can see it's there. And it's the body's way of uh, protecting the person, uh, providing warmth and, and extra protection. For sure. Um, muscular weakness, difficulty paying attention. Um, nutritional deficiencies, and you have things like uh, anemia, iron deficiencies, and others. Malnutrition, dry nails and hair, hair loss. So you could, in one sense, have this lanugo, but also be losing, you know, your hair as well. Um, reduction in bone density, osteoporosis, trouble concentrating. Oh, wow. Delayed puberty, irregular periods, heart complications, kid, uh, cardiac arrest, and kidney and liver failure. And you're, you could be an adolescent and you're suffering from all of these yeah. horrible, horrible you maladies. Could be, yeah. So you could be suffering from a handful. Um, I'd hate to think someone's suffering from all of them. No. But... You know, that's how it, uh, that, these are the symptoms and the complications. Right. So there are different types of um, ARFID. And so the, the person suffering from it may have all of these or one of these, but if you have just even one, it's considered ARFID. So we'll start with, so it's avoidant, aversive, restrictive, adult ARFID, and an ARFID+. Plus. So avoidant is uh, avoiding certain foods related to sensory features. It causes sensitivity, overstimulation reaction, and the smells, textures, appearance, color, etc. So it's the types of food related to sensory. The way it smells, the way it looks, the texture. So they're like, don't want anything to do with those. Or there is a, only a certain amount of foods that will fit in that. And I'm also wondering too, do you self-diagnose yourself with other I'm I'm gluten intolerant I'm lactose intolerant so I can avoid some of these foods I think as adults we would do that you, but I think as parents we might do that too okay initially we might be thinking oh again picky eater or maybe that doesn't agree with them that kind of stuff so I definitely think because what else could it be mm -hmm. like <laughs> It's it's scary to think beyond that, right? Mm -hmm. No, but you're justifying your restrictions. Yes, yes, yeah. Is what I'm getting at. Totally. Yeah. Well, I just think, I mean, this is no comparison, but it's the only comparison I can think of right now, is that my son hated tomatoes and onions and mushrooms. Well, that's a pretty typical thing for kids not to like. Mm -hmm. He loved avocados. <laughs> so you go, whoa, where'd that come from? Um, he loved... Uh, I'm just thinking about different vegetables that he loved to eat and be like, well, how does that fit in with that? And so I just kept working away. Oh, and he loved things like sweet potatoes. I mean, they're good. And, you know, potatoes, obviously, most kids like. Um, so I just kept working away <laughs> and say, you know, try this. If you don't like it, you don't have to. But he would eat pasta sauce, no problem. Mm -hmm. So, but I think about how I was able to work away at certain things. Now, as an adult, he's still not a fan of raw onions. He's not a big fan of mushrooms, but he, <laughs> he can eat them and, you know, that kind of stuff. But I think, you know, in the time where I was feeling stress about him not wanting to t take these foods, I realized how normal that was. Right. And how fortunate I was that I just... And he wasn't even that big of a picky eater, mm -hmm. you know, so I've never had to deal with anything like this. So I can't imagine it being even more than that little bit. No. And that could be another thought as well. Our parents putting 
some of these restrictions on their children. Yes, exactly. Because that's what we talked about before. You monkey see, monkey do. Right. Right. If you, and that's what's happened to us. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so then there's aversive, which is a fear based reaction. So something, some kind of trauma might have happened to them. So they might have, at a very young age, choked on something, mm-hmm. and now food equals fear, or that particular food they choked on. It could be even a glass of milk that kind of went down the wrong way, and now nope, can't drink anything that looks like that, that smells like that, that is that color because of the trauma um, related to it. And then there's restrictive. Uh, they show little or to no interest in food. Um, it causes someone to forget to eat altogether. They have a very low appetite and they're extremely, extremely distracted at mealtime. So you can't even, you know, they're just putting that wall and they're just doing everything they can to, to, uh, I guess, distance themselves from it's it. It's a push pull, push yeah. pull. Like, oh. And, um, and this results in limited intake. Um, then the other type is adult ARFID. So this may have been carried on from childhood and adolescence and going into adult years. And it's, they're selective or extremely picky. Um, they have food peculiarities. Uh, they have problems with texture, color, or taste aversion. So kind of the same um, as when they were younger, but only there now as adults can control it. And because- to a certain degree, it's something they can't control, but it's something... They have more control in their life because they're adults now, right? And this is so difficult for me because, like I said earlier, you're making a description here, and I'm seeing a picky child. I'm seeing a child. Mm -hmm. Well, you're talking about adults right now. But I'm seeing somebody that's being picky and not behaving. Mm -hmm. But it's not. And and how do you differentiate that? And that's the thing. Like, initially, you can say that, um, but as it goes on, it just becomes more and more. But yeah, that, again, that was my first, oh, picky eaters. I've seen picky eaters and, mm-hmm. oh, well, maybe if we, you know, ignore the behavior or different things, but this is like so way above, but that's the first image I get is like, you know, you're in a food court and some kids throwing food across. I don't want to eat that and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like such and such. Um, now there's ARFID plus. People who ha- are experiencing more than one type of ARFID can begin to develop features of anorexia. Okay. Okay. They have body dysmorphia. They're consumed with body weight and size. They have a fear of weight gain, negativity about fatness, negative body image, low calorie foods, and a combination of symptoms. So like a comorbidity. Now, sometimes, oh, little kitty cat's here. Sometimes, who's that? That's Georgia. Oh, hi, Georgia. I didn't see your face. Um, so... Sometimes ARFID and anorexia are used interchangeably, but here's the difference. Well, let's just talk about this. ARFID and and anorexia are often compared to each other or considered to be the same disorder. Although they may share the same characteristics, they are different. One is obsessed with body, image, weight. The other one doesn't give a shit. It's not about body image for them. It's not about body weight for them. It's about fear but fear of trauma, fear related to that food. Even though there's fear in anorexia, it's focused around weight and body image. Okay, so... What an interesting point. Yeah. So what are the causes? ARFID affects children and adolescents and adults and affects 
all genders, often associated with psychiatric comorbidities, including autism, ADHD, anxiety, and OCD. Now, I want to make this very clear. First of all, autism and ARFID, I guess what people think is that someone who suffers from ARFID is autistic because of their behaviors, but that's not the case. They may have autism while having ARFID or not. It may complicate the situation, but one is not the same as the other. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, a person may have an aversion to foods with certain textures um, with either condition. Condition, So it may be the person with autism, maybe it's uh, stimuli or overstimuli, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I'm not speaking from anybody that knows. <laughs> I know so little that I can't speak with experiences. And I think as much as I've studied it, I can't possibly know all aspects of it. So I wanted to make that very clear just because you have autism or just because you have ARFID. They're not one and the same. Genetic factors. Eating disorders, including anorexia and bulimia, are familiar and temperamental traits, predisposing individuals to developing an illness and their past on from generation to generation. We can talk about that. Oh, yeah. We don't have ARFID, but we are often what our family shows us. Mm-hmm. Um, molecular heredity. So heredity can cause um, some um, eating disorder behaviors or behaviors that lead to eating disorders. Because we're all born with a genetic code which may exhibit patterns in certain health conditions such as ARFID. So we may be genetically hereditary. Yeah, predisposed to that. Environmental influence. So this is influence from family members. And they can come from meal preparation, observing family members' behaviors with food, and exposure to diets and or restrictive eating in the home. Now, I don't necessarily think this plays a huge role in ARFID, more maybe in anorexia, bulimia, and other, but it could be a little bit of a factor, especially depending on their age. Social and cultural factors. Again, I don't think this plays a huge role with ARFID, but in general, um, there's a misconnection that looking thin is equivalent to being healthy. Right. And uh, can be a factor in anorexia and therefore can be a small factor in ARFID. And people with ARFID um, often have as well OCD, anxiety, ADHD, and autism. It's all autism. about acceptance. Yeah. Acceptance. And like I said, trauma, choking, or being force-fed. Mm-hmm. Oh, you I know? can see that. Oh, yeah. Like, uh, it's awful when I think about it. But I think, you know, depending on if it's a traumatic household, uh, a where there's lots of abuse and stuff like that, they're just like, you eat this and shoving it down their throat. Well, I never experienced that, but I have a trauma that I experienced when I was very young. I think I was about five or six years old. Okay. And um, unfortunately, um, my mother had a lot of hospital stays because of her bipolar and um so we would have nurses come in and take care of us and i remember being fed or being told to eat peas and because i wouldn't eat them she put me in a corner and how old is it five six about five or six years old jesus christ yeah and I'm going to be 65 this year. Mm -hmm. 
And I'm still talking about that. I still remember where I was. I remember sitting in the corner. Mm -hmm. And don't laugh. I still don't eat peas. (laughs) Well, you know, initially I would be like, oh, you don't eat your peas. And you're like, I really don't like vegetables. all So here I am like laughing and stuff. Then you told me that and I'm like, Jesus Christ, it's trauma that's related to it. Oh, yeah. So I don't make fun of you anymore. But no. and I don't think I was being malicious. But still, you never know unless you know. Yeah. And I could see how that would be traumatic. It was awful. It was awful. I still I still remember it. And I still get that uneasy feeling of that control that that woman had. Yeah. And you think about for all the things that you've gone through in your life and, and fought and got help for and everything, it shows you how... You can look at those as big things, mm-hmm. but it shows you how little, it's not little, but a little thing like that can cause trauma until into you 60 years later. Mm-hmm. So they're not little things. Mm-hmm. And this is, you can see where food aversion would happen. Exactly. So um, if I don't, I better eat this, but that's kind of, it's not, a, it's not forcing your food, but you're being punished around food, right? But it gets back to the point we made earlier. You don't leave the table without cleaning your plate. Oh, yeah. Uh, And that was the end of it. And see, for me, I had two opposite. I had the Wickiams, Mm -hmm. my dad's side of the family, where it was like, eat as much as you want or not. You Mm -hmm. don't want to eat? Don't eat. You want to eat? Have seconds if you want. Mm -hmm. You don't like eating that? You don't have to. Mm -hmm. You know, it was just so easy. (laughs) Hanging out and eating with them was like nothing. Right. It was just easy and normal. Opposite side of the family absolute control absolutely you were we were just had to eat a certain way or have the the manners uh do you uh, you have to eat everything put on your plate there was major your plates rules. your plates were washed watched yeah how much food you put on yeah why don't you have this on there why aren't you eating that when the you best don't tricks. have enough of <laughs> yeah. x and know? the best trick one of the best tricks that would be played is um why why don't you have this on your plate or do you want do you want seconds and you're like oh you know i would like a little more of those mashed potatoes you get them and then after they'd be like see how much they ate yeah so here's the yeah. trick we're gonna like make you feel comfortable and say oh no go have some more and you're like oh god i would love some more and then you are <laughs> admonished for it yes such a head game. Yeah. Okay. So the medical, physical complications or symptoms are, uh, that may cause it aside from it being like fear based is that they could have GERD, which is, um, gastroesophageal reflux disease. So heartburn. Right. Um, or esophilic, esophilic esophagitis. <laughs> I'm going to make it. I just wanted to say it. See if you could. Yeah, see if I could. It's a mouthful. It's the inflammation of the esophagus. And they have trouble feeding. They have dysphagia, which is not being able to swallow properly. Um, Abdominal pain, vomiting, and heartburn. So these are real medical reasons that could be causing ARFID. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's a very new diagnosis. And it's just been put in the uh, DSM-5, which is the psychiatrist's... uh, Bible and there are very limited stats to how um you know what's going on in the big picture okay 
So what stats we do have is just kind of been learned as we go along. So how do you diagnosis? Well, physical exam, check out physically what you can eyeball with the body, what's going on. Uh, blood and urine tests for general health and uh, nutrition levels and see how your organs are functioning. Uh, you're testing for a nutritional deficiency. Inadequ this could apply to anorexia as well. Oh, yeah, I think all, yeah, all the eating disorders, but definitely. Um, well, that's what they said is that ARFID and anorexia present itself after a certain point as being, as having almost identical complications and advanced symptoms. Okay. Because you are, in essence, one, you're controlling it, one is, con I was going to say one is controlling you, they're both controlling you, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, the weight loss, weight loss in adults, extreme weight loss in adults, or again, the falling off the, the growth chart. A decline in um, psychological function, um, no distorted body image, and dependent on supplements and tube feedings or TPN just, just to live. So what is the treatment? Well, they're still trying to figure out a treatment for this because some things are just so incredibly difficult to treat. Um, some, like a lot, you know, there are definite cases where they outgrow it. Well, and also two Ks, it's deep. Mm -hmm. You mentioned trauma, um, all kinds of, you mentioned several things. So you're, you, you got to go deep. You got to go for the deep dive to understand why this person is suffering from this. Well, if it's a trauma based thing, you got to get into the trauma. Right. So, I mean, yeah. that one thing alone is, is, is huge. You need a multidisciplinary team approach. Yes. You need a doctor, a pediatrician, and a gastro doctor on board. Right. You need a dietitian. Right. You need someone that can prescribe the whatever medications they may need, um, like literally write orders for their diet. Mm -hmm. um, they need therapists who specialize in eating and feeding disorders. And speech and language pathologists should be doing um, an exam on them to find out if it's not a physical thing. Okay. Like they have dysphagia, so difficulty swallowing, or they do a feeding evaluation. People don't realize that speech pathologists are not just to help um, someone with a speech impediment. Mm -hmm. It also involves basically swallowing, the structure of the mouth, uh, all that kind of stuff. So they're, um, I've um, worked with quite a few speech pathologists. They're great um, with uh, patients that um, have Alzheimer's or dementia, um, Parkinson's, and they're having as they're getting older, as their disease is progressing, you find out that, um, like for instance, someone who is having the dysphagia, you can't give them water or thin liquids because it will slide right down and they'll aspirate on it. You give them thickened um, liquids and stuff like that. It may sound counterintuitive at first, but oh, because isn't the water easy to swallow? No, it's easy to get into your lungs. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So um, these guys are great for that. Uh, also, medically, you need hospitalization if necessary, tube feeding, TPN, get those calories and vitamins. And then this can be a bit of a slippery slope, but there's some medications that can help with the anxiety, right. that can help with uh, depression related to it. Kids get depressed, and I, I am not okay with just giving pills to kids. But in extreme cases, if they're going to help aid to get to the point where you want to be, mm -hmm. but I want to make that clear. I think children should only get medications that they absolutely need. That's a whole other story about doctors prescribing like 15 different drugs for a kid that 
they don't even know the root cause of what's going on with them. Well, they don't have that team behind them that yeah. you mentioned. Uh, CBT therapy. So trying to, you know, um, like exposure. Behavior, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and family-based therapy, which we talked about with uh, Anne-Marie. So the outcome is that they may need lifelong treatment. Like this could be a lifelong thing. And, um, well, I'm just reading here. Children do not grow out of it. So, and that's how it gets into adolescence and adulthood. So unless this very, very, very difficult and not completely understood syndrome or disorder is treated, this is a lifelong condition. And think about... Sentence is more like it. Think about you're a child and you're in the most important years of growth and development and you're already losing bone density. Mm -hmm. Like think about as an adult and growing into an adult, like your body is fucked from like the get go. Mm -hmm. You can't make up for those years, mm -hmm. maybe in some respects, but if something didn't develop during that time it doesn't mean that it's going to just pick up where it left off right the damage so, is done the damage is done so i got a few stats here these are um i've gotten from a few sources and they seem to fall in but you know this stuff can change from day to day but true prevalence of arfid is still being studied but preliminary estimates suggest that it may affect as many as five percent of children that's a lot mm -hmm. boys more than girls and 63% of pediatricians and pediatric specialists were unfamiliar with the diagnosis. The rates of ARFID are anywhere between 5 and 14% in pediatric inpatient eating disorder programs and up to 22% in pediatric eating disorder and day treatment programs. So it turns out that this has been going on probably for a very, very, well, probably forever. Mm -hmm. But and we it's never something, had it, we didn't have a name for it. Yeah, and now it's becoming more understood, more prevalent. Um, yeah. So that's ARFID. Way more than I ever thought. Yeah. Um, I, I, prior to us deciding on this subject matter, I'd never heard of it. You said it to me. We were talking about doing eating disorders and... Um, we were going over lists, and one of the ones you said was ARFID. What's ARFID? Yeah. And then you told me what it was. I'm like, I, you know, I think I, you know, especially medical stuff, but you, it shows you you can't know everything. And I'm not right. saying that I'm even near that, but I mean, if you're someone in the medical profession and you've never heard of it, um, how like how many people that aren't in the medical profession that don't know about it? Right. Um. So yeah, that's that's the story of bulimia and. ARFID. Now, if any of you guys are listening and I have misspoken on anything or please let me know because I we always, always, always want to give the most accurate uh, uh, information and possible. share, share back, share yeah. back. Let's get it right. Yeah. And if you have experienced any of these things uh, yourself or through family and you want to share with us, we'd love to hear from you. Um, so please let us know, uh, via email or Facebook. You can, if you want this to be anonymous, it can be anonymous. Um, if you, uh, just want to share, I mean, it's, it all, it matter all of it matters to us. So, absolutely. um, so yeah, that's, uh, that's what we're, we're finished talking about this today. Right. And, um, 
next episode, we're going to be talking about some uh, lesser known uh, eating disorders, ones that have a little bit more, um, I don't know, things like pika. Mm -hmm. When uh, people eat foods that, or eat things that are not food. Right. You hear about women that are pregnant eating chalk. Right. You know, stuff like that. Uh, so we're going to be talking about those things next episode and that that'll be the our uh, our discussions on eating disorders. So we really appreciate you guys being here with us and uh, and uh, sharing this um, this subject with us. And um, thanks for your time. Yeah. Until next time. Yes. Remember to take care of yourself. Let's take the path of healing together. That's right. Take care of one another. Love each other and most importantly love yourself. Peace. One love. One, four, three.